This is The Takeaway. I'm John Hockenberry. While Washington boils on its own headlines in an unseasonable heat wave, we return to our look at a growing national crisis. In the 100 days since President Trump signed an executive order outlining immigration enforcement, federal agents have arrested 41,318 people on immigration charges. It's a 38 percent increase from the same period last year, broadening the targets for immigration violations. Unclear how many of those 41,000 or so have already been deported, but on their way out of the country, most, if not all, would have had to spend some time in immigration detention. On Wednesday, Altukumar Patel died in custody of Immigration and Customs Enforcement, the eighth death this year and the second in this week alone. Patel was being held in the Atlanta City Detention Center. In California, the Atlanto Detention Center, which is run by the private prison company The Geo Group, had two deaths in March and April of this year alone. Robin Yurevich is a contributor to the publication Capital and Maine, and she visited Atlanto to investigate the case of Norma Gutierrez, a detainee whose health has been seriously compromised during her stay. We took a close look at the Adelanto detention facility. It's the largest one in California, and it has just under 2,000 detainees. It's in the high desert north of San Bernardino. And from there, I took a look at the company that runs it, the Geo Group, and they keep a very close eye on what's happening in Washington, D.C. And um, for those big companies, more detention means bigger profits. There's also humanitarian implications of detention, as you discovered in the story of Norma Gutierrez. Can you describe? Yes. Norma Gutierrez is a 41-year-old woman, and um, she was in detention about five or six months by the time I saw her. In late January, she suffered what seemed to be a stroke-like episode. She lost consciousness. She fell down on the floor of her dorm room. The right side of her body was paralyzed. She couldn't move her eyes. She couldn't move her mouth. She was taken to a hospital in San Bernardino where she said that you know she was treated unlike any way she had ever been treated at a hospital in the past. They wouldn't answer questions about her condition. Um, they said she was fine and sent her back to the facility. Later, about 16 hours later, she suffered the same type of episode, same kind of paralysis. But instead of, of taking her to a hospital, she was taken in handcuffs to a cold room in the facility, as she described it. She said there was a mattress, a couple of blankets, a toilet. She was left there for four days, and she said she was visited by a nurse who gave her the medications that she had been previously prescribed, but didn't offer her any medical care. After that, she didn't really know where she was at the time. The people who she was in detention with told her that that was the place where they keep people who are who have mental health issues. After she got out of there, she had a third episode. And, and after this third episode, she said, I'm going to seek medical care when I get out of this place. She, she, didn't, she no longer wanted the facility to treat her in any way. So she's, a, she's pretty afraid for her, for her health. Her right arm trembles. She walks, dragging her right leg, and the right side of her mouth is, is slightly droopy. What are the rules for health care at uh, immigration detention centers run by uh, private sector companies? Well, there are rules and standards, and they apply to private sector companies just like they apply when ICE provides its own health care. 
the standards are different in different detention facilities. But in this facility, they say that they provide 24-hour care. Detainees who want to be seen ask to see a nurse. And, and by some accounts, you know, they get to see them quickly. Um, by other accounts, there are tremendous delays in, in providing care. When we were on a tour of this detention facility, we saw really nice, clean facilities. But ICE's record of providing health care in detention, and that broadly speaking by all the people who provide it, jails and private companies and ICE itself, is pretty poor. There's a Human Rights Watch report that's out as of May 8th. In that report, they say that ICE has been made aware through their own office of Homeland Security's own office of civil rights of serious health consequences that have happened in, in ICE detention, but ICE has not addressed those issues, they say. They studied 18 deaths in detention and found out that poor care contributed to the deaths in seven of those cases. And in 16 of the cases, um, Human Rights Watch's medical experts found that there was evidence of poor care. And in many of those cases, they said that that evidence pointed to danger for other people who were in detention, things like short staffing, people who were practicing, medical personnel who were practicing outside of the scope of their licenses, poor documentation of health care that was provided. Are these parallel prisons or are they a fundamentally unregulated zone where for-profit companies basically operate a kind of, uh, you know, Guantanamo Bay where people are held indefinitely and the oversight is limited at best? Well, oversight is limited, but ICE would never say that there was no oversight. They say that they're inspected several times a year. And there is something called the Office of Detention Oversight within ICE. They do monitor medical care and other conditions in these facilities once a year and write reports. But I would say that another issue is transparency. For example, there was a death at Adelanto in 2015 that's also documented in this Human Rights Watch report of a man that, that had cancer. And he complained of gastrointestinal symptoms for two years and never got any attention. And um, when Human Rights Watch examined his case, they noted that, you know, obviously had he gotten care earlier, he might have survived. Does that result in any penalties for the facility? Uh, no, it has not. It hasn't. There was a there was a detainee death review in this case, as there is any time someone dies in ICE custody. And no, there really weren't consequences. The ICE, um, ICE officer who had accompanied on, us on the tour said that following this death in detention, ICE itself told the GEO group that it would have to improve care. In terms of formal avenues to speak out and get things changed, I'm not sure that those really exist other than trying to bring to light what's going on inside those detention centers, there is a, a really significant lack of transparency. And most reports of what's going on inside ICE detention are not public. And so sometimes they're there without any lawyer, and without any family nearby, and really without any way to get the, the news out about what's going on inside. Robin Yurovich is a contributor for the publication Capital and Maine in Los Angeles. Robin, thank you so much. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. 
At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But, but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories. Stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex. Of bugs. <laughs> Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get your podcasts.